0: This podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. A question for you: Anyone here ever experienced weariness? Never? <laughs> Weary with the load of stress that comes just from doing life? Weighed down with the pressures of family dynamics, broken relationships, the uncertainty of an uncertain world, exhausted from the onslaught and pull of this world, which becomes a huge distraction from your faith journey. Tired of being afraid about your future or even the future of America for those of you who are old enough, the America we have today is not the America that we grew up in. Amen. My mentioning that is because that in itself becomes a cause for great concern for our children and our grandchildren. And then there is the last two years of pandemic, political upheaval, election, tampering, war, and the continued unrest in the Middle East. And all of this can tend to leave one on the ropes, weary and tired and fading in hope, waning in zeal for serving the Lord Jesus. And so it is to this that I want to direct our attention to the word of God so that it may speak to our hearts On this topic of weariness, there's nothing like the Word of God that can come and soothe the nurse, calm the weary, and build hope like nothing else can, like God's inspired Word. Amen. And so we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, but before we get there, we're going to stop and make a visit with some words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 11, okay? So we're going to look at a couple of verses in Matthew 11, and then we'll get to Hebrews chapter 12. The the passage in Matthew 11, you are familiar with, come to me, all who are, what's it say? (laughs) Weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's as if Jesus is saying, I know what I'm asking of you can be tough. I know you'll get tired and weary, especially when so few are following me the way that I am to be followed. I know it's going against the grain, going against the flow of the culture, but if you'll yoke to me, you'll find the journey to be better, trusting me sweeter kingdom life greater all because you'll find and be connected to me i think all of us from time to time can relate to that kind of weariness and it affects us in various ways physical mental emotional spiritual fatigue Listen to these stats that I I came across this past week. It says, if you are of average weight and height, here is what you will go through in an average 24-hour period. Your heart will beat 103,689 times. Your blood will travel 168 miles as your uh, heart pumps approximately four ounces per beat. You will breathe 23,040 times, inhaling 438 cubic feet of air. Your stomach will take in three and a half pounds and 2.9 quarts of liquid. You will lose seven-eighths of a pound of waste and if you are a man, you will speak about 4,000 words. <laughs> Why are you all you ladies smiling at me? At least you're smiling, right? right. You if you are a woman, you will speak close to 7,000 words. You will move 750 muscles and exercise 7 million brain cells. No wonder we're tired. (laughs) But there is a weariness much more draining than physical fatigue. The kind of fatigue you feel, you know, not the kind of fatigue that you feel after working in the yard, the kind that we're talking about here is the kind of weariness you feel when you find yourself dreading yet another day. And so I'm hoping that you've already by now turned to Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to be looking at those first three verses. And that first verse reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The writer says, and let us run. But did you notice it isn't just run? It is that we are to run with perseverance. It's interesting that the author of Hebrews chooses the metaphor of a long distance race to illustrate the Christian life. And I think an appropriate picture it is. The Christian life is, as many of you, if not all of you are aware, a matter of endurance and struggle, difficulty, and sometimes even a weariness. Yes, there is victory, both now and later when we cross the finish line and enter into heaven and are in his presence. But between now and then, it's all about perseverance. That might be one of the reasons why we have an English word that we've borrowed from the very Greek word we find here being used in verse 1. The word I'm referring to is translated here in our Bibles as race. Literally, the author says, let us run the agona. Does that sound like a word you might be familiar with? Well, of course it does. It's the word agony. Agony. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good description of a long distance race, don't you? I don't know about you, but I've never enjoyed running. Even though as a kid, growing up playing sports, you know, I just, you got to run in the football field, you got to run when you're running the bases, but I just never run for the sake of running, especially long distance. And so when you consider, at least when I consider a long distance race, that sounds like agony to me. (laughs) So I think it's a great description. No wonder the writer here chooses that word. Literally, the author says, let us run the agana. Let us run the agony. Anyone here who has run long distance knows that that's an accurate description. When you run a long distance race, and so let me just insert here, so I've been told. (laughs) It says, they say that it feels like your lungs are going to just burst out of your chest and your legs become like rubber, Agony. So, this Agana is a picture of the Christian life. And we are all spiritual athletes on the racetrack of faith, all of us. Living for the Lord, running the race that has been set before Him, before us, by God Himself. By God Himself, not the race we get to choose, not of our own doing, not our own will the one that he has chose for us to run. Therefore, if we are in him and he is in us, we assume the responsibility to run with perseverance this race that has been set before us. This is what the author desires that we know. And not just know, but do. And thankfully, he shows us how to go about it here in Hebrews chapter 12. So let's look again at verse one, just kind of the first part of verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, we are to be encouraged by the cloud. Who is this cloud of witnesses? I can just hear some high school student today who knows nothing about the Bible say, I know about the clouds where I put all my data. <laughs> yeah. Or I could hear someone else saying some might say, well it, it's grandma who's in that cloud. It's it's my Sunday school teacher who I had when I was a kid. Whether or not those Christians who impacted and influenced our lives are now, who have gone on to heaven, are now able to watch us and see us. We really don't know. Frankly, the Bible just does not say that. So what does this mean then, this term, surrounded by a cloud of witnesses? Well, here we are again. Did you notice the word therefore? We've talked about that, right? It's a connecting word, letting us know that what's being said in chapter 12, is because of what has been said in chapter 11, okay? So it's a connecting word. In the first century, the term cloud was used to metaphorically describe a large crowd or a large company of people. So who's the crowd in this cloud? Well, if if your Bible is so set up where you look to the very previous page Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and 2 we read these words now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain or what we do not see and then verse 2 this is what the ancients were commended for and then at the end of that 11th chapter the author after he has introduced who the ancients are He names them off, right, Abraham, and he goes on and on. The great men and women of the Old Testament is who he's referring to. He then finishes up with saying these were all commended for their faith, which is the exact same phrase he used in verse 2 of chapter 11. And then he finishes up that 11th chapter that way. Now the author, coming into chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this cloud, therefore, is the ancients. He's referring to the great men and women of the Old Testament. Okay, They've, They've run their race and are now in the grandstands cheering us on. Once again, I don't think it necessarily means that they are literally watching us, but what it is saying is, by their lives, because of their witness, their testimonies, their stories of victory. Yes. That is to impact us and influence us yes. in this race so that we can indeed, by, because of their witness, run the race like they ran the race with perseverance. Yes. And that's what is being said here for us. That's who the cloud is. And, and the encouraging thing about this list, you know what I really love about that? You know about them. You can know some of the stories about all of those who were listed in that 11th chapter. Don't we? That they, we know that they were not perfect, which is encouraging because we're reminded that no one besides Jesus, right, is perfect. But they ran in spite of their failures, their weaknesses, their sin. They let us know and they testify, they witness to us that the life worth living is worth living for Christ. And running the race that he set before us. Well, then how can we do what they did? Two things at least come to mind. One, we must spend time. Hear me now. We must spend time with our old friends (laughs) and our mentors. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you been hanging out lately with old Abraham? Have you been hanging out with Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ruth and Esther? Their lives continue To speak to us today. Amen. And they're our friends. They are our mentors. And so one of the things that we can do. So that we can persevere like they persevered. Is to spend time with them. Is it not true? We become like those whom we hang out with. Hang out with these folks. People. Hang out with them. And then we must spend time. In community with each other. Encouraging and spurring one another on in the race. Now, let's look at the next part of this first verse. It goes on and says, let us throw off everything that hinders. In other words, get rid of the baggage (laughs) It says to throw off everything that hinders, anything that would obstruct your progress and hold you back. You cannot run the long-distance race if you are hindered by carrying unnecessary weight. When I watched Luke walk in today, I had an illustration come right to my mind. Nobody, no athlete, no runner is going to come up to the starting line wearing boots like he's got on right now. (laughs) big old combat boots right (laughs) construction boots no that's not going to happen is it no one's going to come to the starting line like that when a long distance runner is in training now they may train with weights around their ankles but when it's competition time those weights are taken off They're not going to run with them on. If you ever watched a batter in the on-deck circle, he's swinging the bat with a weight on it, but he's not going to step into the batter's box with that weight on it. And so we would say to ourselves, well, of course not. That would be crazy. I'm glad you would think that because my question would be, why then do so many who are showing up at churches across the land Carrying around heavy backpacks of bitterness, handbags of anger. And some are carrying a big old trunk full of all kinds of weights, such as habits, addictions, fears, and worries that are holding them back as followers of Jesus Christ in this race that has been set before us. Why would anyone do that? You can't run that way. This is not a sustainable way to live the Christian life. You must, as the word says, throw off anything, everything that would hinder you and consequently bring on a weariness in your walk of faith. The author goes on and says that we are also to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles. Notice he uses the singular rather than the plural, meaning that he has a particular sin in mind, not just any sin, a particular one. In the context leading into chapter 12, The author is pleading with the people not to yield to the sin of faithlessness, unbelief. He's just listed all kinds of exemplary people, great men and women, who by faith experienced victory. And so that's the reference here. The sin he's referring to that so easily entangles is a lack of such faith. It's unbelief. It's our struggle with trusting fully and completely in our Lord God, yeah. the Sovereign One. In fact, at the end of chapter 10, leading into 11, the author quotes Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, and the just shall live by faith. And I want to remind you that is not a suggestion. It is a command. No wonder the author here in 12 says, the sin that so easily entangles. That's the focus leading up to this passage here in 12. But some of us, well, if we were to be honest, we just don't like to live by faith. We want to live by sight. We want to get the calculator out and start crunching the numbers and try to forgive or try to figure out how everything is going to work. It's hard to live by faith. We don't like to live like that. It cuts against our nature, but it's a command. And so live by faith. We must do, church. We must The word for entangles is a Greek word that literally means to bind. Anyone here ever been in a bind? (laughs) It means to bind. There are those who are so bound up by their lack of faith, their inability to trust our great God, that they can't run. This race hardly at all. It it, it is as if they're weak and anemic. Unable to run very far at all, getting tired and weary quickly. Now look at the last part of this first verse where the author really makes his main point. Having thrown off everything that hinders and entangles, he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Wow. Did you notice the phrase with perseverance? (laughs) Some of your Bibles may use the word endurance. Same as perseverance. That's where the focus is here. Endurance, perseverance. When you are stealing second base or running the 100-yard dash speed is critical. Wouldn't you say? But when you are running a mega-marathon, It isn't speed that matters. Perseverance is what matters. Now, there's a third thing we need to know and do when running this long-distance race. It's found in verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In other words, we are to lock our gaze on Jesus. And I want to encourage you, get locked on him and then take that key and throw it away. (laughs) As we run the race, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of it, you see, while we are to be encouraged by the testimony of the cloud of witnesses, as we have already seen, our eyes can't be on them. Are you with me our focus cannot be on those who have impacted our lives in the faith yes we are to be encouraged by our friends and our mentors but we are not running for them amen we are running for our king our lord our savior jesus christ Whom will never let you down. He will lift you up. He is the finish line. I love that. No wonder we're to fix our eyes on Jesus because He is the goal, He is the finish line. (laughs) He is the one. As the writer says, who is the pioneer, he is the perfecter of our faith. And when we cross the finish line and enter through heaven's gates, I can only imagine, as the song says, of what it will be like. (laughs) Talk about a celebration. It will put all celebrations we've ever seen here on this earth to shame. I can see all of you. I can imagine us shouting like we've never shouted before. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Even you quiet ones. (laughs) I want to be standing next to you. (laughs) Me and Kenny want to be standing next to you. And watch you sound off. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, what a day that will be what a day that will be because on that day the race will be finished and there we will be in his arms in his rest forever he'll be there he's the finisher of the faith he's the start He's the finish, and he is every step in between. Amen? Amen. Yeah. This verse continues. The rest of verse 2 says, You know, he is the, fixing our eyes on him who is the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why are we to look to Jesus? Well, this tells us because he too has ran the race. That's why he becomes our ultimate example. He's run the marathon race. He's completed and did so victoriously. He now is enthroned on the throne of God and serves, as we sang a little bit ago, he is our anchor. Right out of Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope, the anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It is Jesus, which means then that we are tethered to him, connected to him, and we will all be brought to glory with him. As I don't have to tell you, there are so many reasons for us to love Jesus, right? So many of them. So many. One of the reasons for sure is that he never asked us to do anything that he has not done himself. Yes. He ran the race. He endured. And now he calls on us to do the same. Yes. The word for fixing describes Not being distracted left or right, up or down, (laughs) but rather fixing our eyes on Jesus and nothing else. Can you, are you picturing that with me? That's why I use the term locked, our gaze locked on Him with the key thrown away, because if that's where we are looking, you're not going to miss it. You won't get distracted. Oh, what's this over here? Oh, what's this over here? No, it'll just be Jesus. Just Jesus. This is further confirmed in verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. And then it tells us why, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yes. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but there is one word that appears in all three verses. The Greek word is hypomone. It's translated in verse one as perseverance in my Bible in the NIV. And then in verse two and three, It shows up as endurance, but it's the same word. And so, in other words, this is all about endurance. It's all about perseverance in this race that we've been called to run. In other words, think of everything that Jesus went through, okay? The temptation in the wilderness. He endured when his own family thought that he was crazy, he endured. When his early followers also completely misunderstood him, he endured. When the Pharisees told their lies about him, he endured. When the Sadducees connived to in order to trap him, he endured. When Judas betrayed him for 30 measly pieces of silver, he endured. As it washed Peter with cursing, denied that he ever knew Jesus, he endured. As he went through the mocking and the suffering of six illegal trials through the night and into the next morning, he endured. As he was beat with the cat of nine tails, flaying the flesh off of his back, he endured. As he heard the crowds crying out, crucify him, crucify him, he endured. When the soldiers mocked him and spat on him and punched him, he endured. When they shoved the crown of thorns upon his head in excruciating pain, he endured. As they laid him on that cross at Calvary and nailed spikes into his hands and his feet and then lifted him up between heaven and earth to die as a common criminal in shame, he Endured as the callous crowd watching, called out mocking, come down if you're the Messiah. He endured. As Satan came against him with all of the fury and forces of hell upon the cross. He endured. As God himself caused the filthy sewer-like stench of our sin to be poured upon him in a raging, flashing flood, he endured. Jesus endured all the way to the end and then cried out, it is finished, letting us know that he had paid it all in full. Consider him, the writer says, who endured such opposition. And then, as you know, they laid his body in a grave, but he did not stay in that grave. (laughs) He arose. No wonder the author of Hebrews says, With endurance, let us run the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Consider Him. Bear your mind on Him. Focus on Him today and tomorrow and live the rest of your life looking to Him, locked on Him. And you'll not grow weary. And you'll not lose heart. And you will rise up victorious instead of wanting to give up. Look to him. Would you agree with me? Oh, what a savior. The apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Jesus says to us, come to me and be refreshed and find rest for your weary souls. Come to me for I am your only hope. Amen. Father, we come before you this morning so thankful that you have provided for us some really awesome friends and mentors, these ancients, as they are referred to, the great men and women of the Old Testament. I'm just asking, God, that you would encourage us in our hearts to take seriously and to be motivated by your spirit to spend time with them, which simply means to put, spend time in God's word. May we be reminded also that we are to spend time with each other in, in encouraging one another and spurring one another on in the faith as we all together run this race. Yes, there is much that comes at us, that is wanting to pull us down and weary us. But by your spirit, we can rise up victorious and live a life of perseverance and endurance because of you. I pray, God, you help us live that kind of life in you. You endured. May we do the same as we keep our eyes on you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart